period I do what I want, period Move like a boss, period Oh, I got the sauce, period See, the goals to see money no matter the cost, period I'm kid for rapping these L's in my ops, period Period I think my ends like a period Good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome to another episode of Black People Check-In, folks. Mm-hmm. Here, we all here without fear. Without fear. Yes, my name is Mandela, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the president. Yes, he is. El Presidente, a.k.a. your mom's favorite podcaster. A.K.A. <laughs> Mr. Not One of the Good Blacks. No. And I am here, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the original Galtif him, himself. Original Galtif. <laughs> Uncle right. Germs. Yes. A.K.A. Mm-hmm. Mr. Try Jesus. Mm-hmm. Don't try him. Mm-hmm. Because you won't like it. Nope. A.K.A. Mm-hmm. Your girlfriends. He's just like a brother to me. Wink, wink. 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 Nudge, nudge. <laughs> How are you, sir? You know what? Um, not doing too bad, man. Um, I appreciate. First of all, I just want to say I appreciate you, man. Like you're. I appreciate you, man. Like you're a great dude, man. That's all I can say. You're just a great dude. Um, but you know what you're acting? Is it me? <laughs> Seeing. Um, but, but to answer your question, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, it's been a very hectic week, to be quite honest with you. Um, yeah. Even though it was a short week, I mean, we had like this Valentine slash um, uh, family day thing. For those of you that are around the world, usually every, was it like the second weekend in February, we celebrate Valentine's Day and family day or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. But um, basically did that. No Valentine's. If people are asking, I have no Valentine. So I was at home, period. Um, no, I have no Valentine. Well, you know, I have that. We not have that. Me not have that. <laughs> okay. But like work-wise, it was, you know, it was a regular work week. It was busy. So it's just trying to get through the work week. But thankful. I If, if one thing I'm thankful for is that I'm alive and I have a relatively sound mind. How have you been, sir? I've been good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been good. It's been quite an eventful few days. Mm-hmm. Um, been dealing with stuff, you know, podcast stuff, anything, anything, anything. Anything. Um, it's been keeping me busy. Mm-hmm. Been, you know, doing, you know, a couple of kind of work things. So that's been keeping me busy. Right. Um, yeah, you know, Black people checking is ever changing and evolving. So it's exciting. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, we got some special content coming your way. Yep. Was that you, Germs? That was definitely not me. And I'm like, I know, said the people that are listening to this are like, what is that? Right, right. Okay. Well, but that's, how people, that's how black people check and roll. Like sometimes some surprises just pop up. Yeah, shit happens. But yeah, no, I've been I've been good. 
Good. Can't complain. We're gonna we're gonna update y'all as as things progress. Yes. As to who we're having on. Um, mm-hmm. By the time of this recording, you know what? We're not gonna spoil it for you. No. When we're it comes, just, it comes. Wow, that's what she said last night. I mean, whatever. <laughs> But yeah, man, we're good, you know, in therapy, so I'm not really cussing nobody. You know what we thank God? We thank him. Or I, her. I mean, whoever, listen, I, I know for me, but you know, say, you know, say, everybody love a God, so. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Jim? What's you know on what, the agenda? Um, you know, this, this, this episode actually is kind of coming back to our roots of what Black people check in are, or is. Um, is. Is, sorry. Uh, we want to talk about therapy and our experiences with therapy. Um, so I actually want to start asking the question, you know, it's actually great that like two guys can actually really go through this conversation. Um, so I'm going to ask you this, Mandela. Why therapy? Honestly, it saved my life. Um, I have extreme anxiety and depression issues. Mm-hmm. So therapy helps. I'm just a nervous person generally. Mm-hmm. I'm socially awkward, even though I don't present as it. Mm-hmm. I'm very socially awkward. Um, <laughs> but my closest friends, well, some, some people... A lot of people won't believe me if I tell them that because I don't act like it. I act the exact opposite. With. Plus, in my field of work, I can't be socially awkward. You have to be up there, right? So, so can yeah. I? So, so can I ask this? Can for the listeners that are listening to this podcast, which first of all, we want to thank all the people around the world, you know. Who have been around the world? Around the world, yo! I'm talking about we're talking about from Asia to Africa, you know, to North America, Jamaica, South America, yes, yo, Europe, right. Europe, yes, yo. We want to appreciate all y'all. Um, but did you say Jamaica? I, yeah, we did. Let me miss it, that. Yo, you, you, you. There's no way I could actually not say that. Come on, now. Right. You know. But that being said, um, for the listeners that are out there, so that like they kind of understand how how we roll, can you walk us through uh, your journey, even into getting into therapy? Okay, so the first time I was ever in therapy, I was sixteen years old. Mm. Um, a very traumatic event happened. Um, my teacher passed away in school. Jeez. Yeah, and I saw him on the floor, dead. Oh. Yeah, when I when I got to the gym office, he wasn't, you know when people faint or pass out? Yeah. You can kind of see a little bit of movement or something, breathing, mm-hmm. heavy breathing, shallow breathing, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was no movement. Like, lights were off, nobody was home. Jesus. So, and I had skipped his class that day. I saw him in the halls looking for me earlier on that day when he passed away of a massive heart attack. Mm. Um, he was actually playing basketball with, his, with some of the students in the gym after school. Okay. 
yeah so that really fucked me up like i couldn't sleep alone for a year oh. i started having panic attacks not knowing what they were um i had no idea what like that type of stuff was mm. Yeah, this is in 11th grade. So my parents who were working as educators at the time set up therapy for me. And that didn't go so well because, you know, as a teenager, what, 16, 17 years old, you're like, yo, I want this. True. Like, Why am I talking? Nah. This? Right. So that didn't really happen. So I was dealing with all of that, you know, the panic attacks, the depression me going to the emergency room a number of times all the way up to into my college years and university years and mm -hmm. no no go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead and even then i wasn't really doing the therapy thing because yeah. you know at the time you know i was heavily still i'm into dance but you know badman the therapy and ray day and blah 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 you know the, the toxic Caribbean mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so when it wasn't until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, an ex-girlfriend of mine was like, yo, you need therapy. <laughs> why, why would she say that to you? Honestly, she was right. Mm. She was absolutely right. Because aside from Aside from um, anxiety, I didn't know how to manage my temper, like verbally, never physically, like we don't hit people over here, mm -hmm. right? So I didn't really know how to manage my temper, um, regulate my emotions in that way, mm -hmm. even though I was trying, like I didn't understand certain things. So I went to see a therapist. He was cool. Mm -hmm. He helped me realize a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but he wasn't the therapist for me. Right. Fast forward to a few years, I am now, you know, I met a girlfriend who's now my wife. Ah, uh, yes. Wife! Wife! You yeah, are wife. the wife. Mm -hmm. Right? And, you know, we had problems adjusting to each other in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, your panic attacks are like bad. Da -da 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 -da. Um, I've been in a lot of toxic relationships right mm -hmm. so we're fighting arguing was the norm for real eh? yo she tried the therapy thing so when we had some some issues in our relationship she's like yeah so we went to counseling which turned our relationship around for the better mm -hmm. definitely calmed me down but to my wife's credit just her presence alone calmed me down even before the therapy mm. Because you know her, you've met her. She's a very yep. calm person. Yes, a very is. sweet person. Mm -hmm. Even though y'all are beefing right now, but that's besides the point. Listen, um, <laughs> when I see when I see your wife, we're going to settle this once and for all. Yes. <laughs> but in a um, nice manner. I don't want anybody to be like, yo, you're going to like beat her or something like that? Because Minosa Mandela will probably like beat the crap out of me. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> so... <laughs> No one comes for the wife. Nobody comes for the wife. So basically, yeah, we went to a couple's therapy. Mm -hmm. Now she had calmed me down a lot. Like she'd talked me through things. You know, she had her own issues that I talked her through. We basically helped each other, right? 
because mm-hmm. we both necessar- weren't necessarily in the best of head spaces, I would say. Right. Um, without saying too much about our business, because she's very private in that sense. Yes. So that did wonders for us. Um, even all now, we don't even really argue about anything. And if we do, if we are upset with each other, we talk about it. Yeah. Right? So yeah. therapy has helped us so much in that way. Fast forward again, our current therapist, I realized was not working for me. I had a lot of issues with that particular therapist. Mm. Not going to get into, she's a black woman, but she's not for me. She was great. She gave me a lot of good tools, mm-hmm. but she wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So then I met Roxanne. Shout awesome. out to Roxanne. I just want to say. Shout out to Roxanne. Bam, 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 bam. Shout out to her on, on the outside, big up yes. herself. Yes. But then I lost my job, couldn't afford her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be honest, if I'm being real, now I'm landing at my current therapist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is amazing, Alethea. You are yes. great. Thank you for all that you do. You are fantastic. Everyone needs an Alethea in their life. Mm-hmm. She's a straight shooter, mm-hmm. like for real. She'll tell you about yourself. But she does it in such a nice way, though. In such a... Yo, but she's a bad gal, though. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not... She won't always do it in a nice way if it's necessary. Trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, she's been great. She helped me through, like, the darkest times mm-hmm. where I was actually suicidal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, she saved my life. And I still see her, too. I had a session with her last night. Yeah, like, listen, man. Like, you're doing what you got to do. Yeah, so it's helped me a lot. It's calmed down. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough good things about her. Yo, I'm even gonna tag her email if y'all want to go see her. If you if y'all are in the greater Toronto area, mm-hmm. or maybe you're in the states. I don't know if she does people from if she sees clients from the states, but we'll link her email in the description of this episode. True, 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 and true, true, true. So let me ask you a, a question, kind of going back to some of the stuff that you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I first of all, I appreciate, you know, the the candidness of just kind of like, you know what, this is this is the reason why I went to therapy. Oh, I was fucked up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Straight. But let the audience know, like, like that first session, like, like, even though it was set up for you. Do you remember what that first session felt like? Like when I was 16? Yeah. It felt awkward. It felt like I didn't understand what therapy was. Mm. At that time, I wasn't good at expressing my feelings whatsoever. Like I literally just seen my teacher dead on the floor in the gym office at my school. Mm-hmm. And a lot right? of guys like I went to... Have- no, sorry, not to cut you, but like a lot of guys, like particularly men, would definitely have a hard time trying to express those feelings, especially in right. a traumatic event like that. But go ahead. And then the year after that, or maybe two years later, my grandmother, who was my best friend, passed away. Oh, Jesus. Wow. When I was 18. So this happened when I was 16, 17. My grandma passed away when I was 18. And that was a shock to my system. Because I was not expecting that. She had leukemia, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't even make it to 80. Mm. Um, but 
that was a shock. So it was a next set of emotions, you know, because when you're a teenager, sometimes you don't get along with your parents, which is what I was going through at the time. And I felt like my grandmother at the time was the only advocate I had in my household. You must have felt very angry at the time. I felt alone. Okay. Okay. I felt very alone. Like my best, like I did not take that, my grandmother's death well at all. Mm. So there was that, missing her. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go back, my first um, session was just weird. I didn't understand what therapy was. Mm. I literally thought that was some white people shit. That's all I saw on TV, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. And I had a white therapist. She didn't really say much. <laughs> some sessions, we'd just go like the whole hour without talking. Right. Right? So that was weird. Um, my the male therapist I saw was cool, but I didn't understand his methods. Mm, right. So I got very defensive, and I was basically like, "Fuck this." Mm-hmm. Um, the the time I went to couples counseling with my wife, I felt like I wasn't being heard in therapy. She wasn't trying to understand where I was coming from. Number one, and when I did I just express my feelings about just stuff in life. She'd make me feel like I was stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. Like, shout out to her. She gave me a lot of, she's a black woman. She gave me a lot of great tools, but she wasn't for one. So I'm not bashing her. Um, I know she's helped a lot of people. She comes highly recommended. So, you know, shout out to her. Like, no hard feelings. It's just not the right fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then when I met Roxanne, she was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. First, first therapy session. I told her at the end of the therapy session, "Take my money." <laughs> <laughs> if you ask Roxanne Francis, she will tell you, "Yes, Mandela said that." And yo, again, that my friend, that my friend, them, that's my friend. Yes, that's your people and your yo. She's she's amazing. Yes, yeah, right. She and then Alethea said mm-hmm. the same thing. I'm like, yo, you're so dope. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had apprehensions. Her style of therapy is different, mm-hmm. but I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, she even noticed I was a bit apprehensive. Da, 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 da. I name dropped Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> the way she did her impression of me was hilarious last night. You're like, Roxanne. <laughs> She's like, okay, I get it. But Alethea, that's, yo, that's my therapist. Yeah. That's, that's my therapist. Like, I think I found my home in therapy now with Alethea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, okay. And you've kind of touched on a couple of things that I want to continue on. And I, I don't want to make it seem like, because folks, I'm going to also talk about myself and my experience and all that in a minute. But um, there are a couple of things that I want to actually also glean from you on this one. Now, it's funny, like you went through a few different um, therapists. Some worked well and clearly some didn't work as well. Yes. Even as a person who as, is a client, I'm just saying as a client, and particularly as a male client, what was the thing, looking back now, what was it that you really needed from the therapist for them, for you to feel like you could trust them? Understanding of me as a Black person. And that kind of goes to more so, they actually need to hear you out and listen. Yeah, so I think the first first time when I went to therapy when I was like 16, 17, mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't ready. So that was me. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't ready. I was like, no, it just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. When I went to the male therapist, I was just taken aback by his methods. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool, but he wasn't for me. I'm not going to bash him or whatever. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, cool, fine. Mm-hmm. We might be on something here. When I went, to, you know, the couples therapy, she was my, our couples therapy, and I went to her individually as well. That was cool, but it was, definitely was not the right fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I want people to know is when you go to therapy, your first therapist might not be your therapist that you stick with. Mm-hmm. You have to find the right therapist for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Period. Right. So don't go thinking it's all going to be rosy. It might be, which is great. You mm-hmm. lucked out. Congratulations. Holla. Yeah. Right. But you might have to go f- through a few to find the one that you mesh with the best. Right. And yeah. when you do, it's amazing. Yeah. Like my therapist now like sends me stuff. If I say, yo, I'm having a bad day. She sends me dance hall music, which I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, she sent me motivational stuff. Like she under she's from Grenada, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another Caribbean island. Mm-hmm. Right. So she knows the culture. She's also a child of Danta, like me. Like she's also been through stuff in her own life. Right. So she can relate to so many things. And this is why I advocate so heavily for black people finding black therapists who, who understand them and the culture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. even the younger ones the older ones cool they're great too they understand so much but the younger ones are yeah my therapist is not wouldn't fall under the younger category but she's lived life let's just put it that way right yeah somebody, yeah somebody that can actually speak to your experience yeah so mm-hmm. i have i will talk i could spend this whole podcast saying nothing but amazing things about amitia mm. I'll just do a whole show of praising her, but you <laughs> might find that a little bit creepy. We're not Kanye over here. Yeah, that trust me. <laughs> that's 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 the next discussion right there. But anyways, though. that is. But you know what? What about you? How did you drop in a therapy? Well, it's funny. Like, so again, for anybody that's really followed, you know, Black People Check In, um, and followed my journey, you know, I'm I'm a registered social worker, right? So I know, and and I and mind you, I'm I'm setting this up to get to kind of where I, where I went to. So I've been doing this thing for the past, it feels like a decade, over a decade or whatever, right? Over a decade, right? Like you know, talking to folks and you know, you know, trying to understand the tools of just you know how to not only deal with people with their own stuff, but you know, also for myself, it wasn't until, it wasn't until up to a, like, like literally a few years ago. And what I mean that this is like 2022, I would probably say probably 2018, 2019-ish. Wait, did you go to therapy because you have a problem with stealing a next man's woman? No, no. No, no. Okay. But okay. it but it was based off a relationship. It it there was there were some things kind of surrounding it, right? Um it was it was funny actually. Uh and you kind of mentioned this. One of the things that when it comes to therapy, 
And people can have their debates about it or whatever. But the reality is, is that when it came to therapy, why I probably haven't done it sooner wasn't only just like, okay, well, you know, I'm a quote unquote therapist. I'm a social worker, you know, like we don't need to believe me, like people in the field, like I've always said therapists need therapists, social workers need social workers. Yes. Because some of the shit that y'all hear people's stories in life. Listen, it's not even that, like if you're a social worker, it's not even just hearing, but you're also having to, not only walk with people through this, this is a continued process. So even just for example, like, let's say you as a social worker are dealing with somebody who is homeless, but has like certain diagnosis or certain psychosis, you know, in terms of their own mental health, like that's a lot. And you're trying to at least set them up, you know, for success, you know, trying to figure out how we can give them proper housing you know, figure out ways where they can get, they can get at least a decent meal, you know, set all that. Yeah. Like, it's a lot, you know what I mean? Um, but the thing for me that got me into the, Jermaine, you're going to need to see somebody, um, mm. was actually one of my relationships. It was actually, it was after the fact of one of my relationships, right? Do I know um, this relationship? No, you don't know this relationship. Okay. Um, but it was it was sort of the start of a journey where I needed to. I I actually looked at myself, and I thought to myself, you know what? There's certain behaviors, and certain things in my life that I wasn't too happy about, right? Right. Um, there were certain things that I did, but also certain things that were damaging to me that made me realize that I actually need to kind of get myself back in the right direction. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I went through, I went through a phase after one of my, one of my relationships just before I met, it wasn't just before I met my wife, mm-hmm. 2013, mm-hmm. I went on a downward spiral and mm-hmm. I needed therapy then and it did not take it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, like for me, there were two uh, there were two issues when it came to even just going down to see a therapist one of the main reasons was um really for the most part like that whole access to therapy um, yeah now it's not know, there no it's not there it wasn't until and, and and this is why i said i did this in 2018 because it wasn't until recently where the place that i work at they actually improve they improved the benefits right so they improved like the the work benefits that I actually could, you know, afford a few sessions of therapy, right? Um, and not only that, like I didn't realize this, and I should have. Like, if if you as a person are working for a company that has what they call employee assistance program, right? Chances are part of that EAP. Um, what does that mean? Empl- that's why I said. Oh, okay, right. Sorry. Program. yeah so the employee assistance program that eap basically pretty much directs you to like um programs where you can receive help so things like financial help even mental health right so 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 what i was able to do i decided to do was what what i decided to do was like you know what let me just kind of check it out so 
I did talk to a therapist. Now, she was white. She was a nice lady. Don't get me wrong. She was a nice lady and stuff. Right. But some of the things that I, that I was talking about, she couldn't really grasp, right? Especially right. like issues that I had with my family and stuff and things that were going on. Right. Cultural so, things. Right. So I was like, okay, you know, nice. You gave me some tools and I'm trying them out. It was cool. It was the second time that I decided, you know, I really need to go into therapy. And I think this was kind of after like a previous relationship that I said, yeah, I really need to go see somebody. Like I really need to see somebody. Hence, I saw, well, you know, I decided, yo, I'm seeing Roxanne Francis. Now, she's amazing, y'all. Go see her. I've known Roxanne Francis for years. Like her and I grew up in church, right? So, so that, that's how the connection started. And I'm telling you, like, she she's the one that has been my biggest, like, supporter. Like, she's the one yes. that I know, like, she can she can speak to the life that I live and, and yes. perspectives. And I continue to see her. Like, it's not easy. You are a dope motherfucker, so don't forget that. I, I appreciate it. But it's kind of one of those things where, like, going through that journey, it was important for me to actually, you know, do that. Because, again, it wasn't even just, like, there was traumatic stuff, but I realized there were certain things going on in my life that made me realize I need to change some things around. And that's what a good therapist helps to do. It's kind of like to steer you into a proper direction so you can actually live your life in a proper way. You know, right. But that being said, though, I think it's about time that we kind of add a next person to to the conversation. I, I think we should. I think we should. Um, so okay, you know is this how we doing it? Okay, this all right. How we doing it? Because we here, we here now. Add the, add them in. Add them in. Okay, we got a special guest, folks, and we're gonna give her a special couple minutes. Guests. We're gonna give her a couple minutes. You know, we want to say that we appreciate this beautiful, and I mean beautiful, black woman right here. As soon as she's bomb, 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 bomb. So you must have heard it. Let me, let me, let me, let me. You know what? We normally do this Mm -hmm. at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but this person is incredibly busy, and she has been gracious enough with her time because Mm -hmm. we know the news cycle is a little bit hectic right now. Yes, sir. It's there's there's some things going on in the world, yes, right? Man. You know, mm-hmm. so she got some business to handle, mm-hmm. but she's here with us. We appreciate it. She is. Hi guys, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. Hi. She is the senior producer at CBC Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. She is produces the National, which Jeez. is a nighttime or day. Yo, you have to give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up, mm-hmm. give it up. Nicole Brewster, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We are good. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank yes. you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. We really appreciate you coming on to our podcast, gracing us with your presence, as we kind of talk about some things regarding like your industry and just just things that you've experienced, just both like professionally and just personally and all that type of stuff yes we are actually talking about therapy right now we're talking about black mental health Mm -hmm. um 
So we must ask our first very important question is how are you? Mm -hmm. I'm doing okay. Mm. Um, but as I'm, I'm, I think we're all sort of in this limbo, right? Um, and the last two years hasn't made it any easier. Sorry, I'm multitasking here. I just um, got to get dinner ready for the family and just okay. finished working a crazy long day at work. But when you ask me how I'm doing, I'm okay. I mean, I think we're all sort of um, coping as best we can. Um, I know a lot of people have sort of tuned out what's happening in the news because it's just so heavy every day. Yeah. And yes. with that and the pandemic and locking us down and we just can't live our lives the way we've been used to, it's, it's a lot. So it, it plays heavy on your mental health. But I think, um, you know, when you have the stressors of life and then on top of it, having the career that I have working in news where you cannot escape it, even if you want to, mm. you know, I take one day off work and I feel like I'm totally out of the loop the day I come yeah. back. So it's like, there's never a chance to just take a break from it. And so that's where, you know, over the last 18 years working in this industry, I'm still learning how to manage through the daily stressors and, and how it impacts me mentally, me mentally and emotionally and physically. We appreciate, honestly, you appreciate like the candor right off the bat. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> It is a lot. I can imagine how much it can be. And working in adjacent to that field, I in public relations, trust it gets to you. <laughs> yeah, so, there's no escaping it. Mm -hmm. So if you don't yeah. mind me asking then, uh, Nicole, um, knowing that like, okay, especially in your role with the national as producer, especially working in media, how is it walking that line where it's like, okay, the news that is being presented, even the stuff that's happening now, currently, and it's not really great news at this time. How are you walking that tightrope into trying to present it in a way where it's like, it's not all doom and gloom, but people have to know the information. You understand if that makes sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, that's something we think about every day, um, particularly around the pandemic. We, we knew, we saw how high our numbers were because it was something new. None of us have probably ever experienced it in our lifetime um, of such magnitude. I mean, we all went through SARS and H1N1, but nothing like this. And so that has pretty much dominated the news cycle for the last two years. And now we're dealing with um, Ukraine and Russia and we're dealing with um, the convoy recently in Ottawa. And so, um, I think what happens is for us, it's telling those stories because we have to, we have to deliver the information to our audiences, Canadians and, and people who watch us abroad need to know what's happening in our world. Um, but then, you know, the way to, to retain those audiences and those viewers are to present them with some solutions. Mm -hmm. And so that's where in our coverage, we try to have, um, moments throughout the program or, or actually one of our, our goals as a team is to really try to inject Okay, you're telling me this crappy story, but where's the solution? Where's the hope in it? And right. some stories, there just is not that, right? Um, but like you take, um, I'm just trying to think of what would be a good example. Mm -hmm. The George Floyd uh, story a few years ago, like that was just so heavy for yeah. me personally, as, as a Black woman, as, as a wife, as a friend to many Black men, to, as a sister, 
and as a mom, like I'm a mom of three young black boys. I have a 15 year old, a nine year old and a seven year old. And, you know, like there's no telling what direction your life can, is going to take. And then you do such a big news story like that. And you see yes. in every instance and nuance of that story, your own life and your family and your connection to your own household. And it hits you. And then you have to put on this brave face and go into the office and everyone's like, oh, Nicole, do you have a contact for this? Or we're thinking about this treatment. What do you think? Or can you take a look at our vet and make sure the language is okay? And it's like, no, I'm just trying to process this as right. a woman, a black woman. And then I've got to help you guys get the story right too, right? So it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a lot. And so like, just in that story, that was something that happened to me. And it was that moment where I was like, I think I'm done. Yeah. I need to, yep. I need to step away. And like, just by like the grace of God, really and blessings. And I'm always putting out into the universe, like things that I want to have happen in my life. And I was just like, I need an escape from this. Like, tell me how I'm going to do this. And it was just at that moment, I received a call from, um, uh, executive of um, in charge of um, unscripted production for CBC television by the name of Regina Krupa and she's like Nicole you know we had a great run with you when you exec the filmmakers and we'd love you to come back to the arts team and work with um, the final season of Exhibitionist with Amanda Paris who's phenomenal and I'm just like I've yeah, always, always admired Amanda um, being you know working in the CBC with her and interacting with her but never working so closely with her and I got to work with her on the filmmakers and, and we had such a success with that show and it, it won a Canadian Screen Award. And here I was getting a call to work with her again and that fantastic team at Exhibitionist for the final season of the show. And I was like, this is the relief I need. Right. And so I was still working in television and the stressors of production, but it was just good to cover something different like the arts, you know, film, theater. Right street art what architecture we did a, an episode on fashion for the final season and not to toot our own home horn but we're nominated for another canadian screen award this year oh talking things yo yeah. to honk that word straight Jermaine, we gotta give a black people check in <laughs> i mean listen you know we it's good to be humble and i'm humble yes but sometimes yes we do have to tune our own horns when we have successes right and that's and that's part of the struggle too is that in this world that we're living in we don't we're so reluctant to highlight our our wins and our successes because it's people are like oh you're so braggadocious and it's not that like we should really no. be celebrating our wins you know yeah especially as black people because we don't always get to celebrate consistently a lot of the wins and a lot of the uh successes and a lot of the the progressions that like are out there it's out there you know mm -hmm. yeah. a lot of the times you know whether through media or other means we're always hearing about the negative so anything like this even again we celebrate you we need to mm -hmm. also learn to celebrate each other on this so yeah. we at black people checking we celebrate you on this one but you no, know what, Jermaine, just, just further to that, though, Jermaine, like when you think about it, and like as I'm listening to you talk and I'm processing it too, it's those wins that also help feed our mental health and help Aye. us get through those tough times, right? Right? Think about it because I'm thinking about, sorry, my mind races faster than the words come out of my mouth, but That's I'm thinking hard. about Hello. like, um, I'm thinking about um, a, a sort of kind of jump back to work, but we did a, a series, a, a piece last week, one of my colleagues, 
Perlita Stroh, who's a fabulous producer, did this reporterless piece on young people and how they're being impacted by the pandemic, their mental health and, and the challenges they've had with school and extracurricular activities. And, you know, like so much of our youth was like hanging with our friends at the mall after school and just living our best lives and coming out of the, and these kids have been stripped of all of that, the parties, the just living life. They can talk to their friends on their phone, but they can't be there in person. Like, it's so sad. Yep. And right. the 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 psych the the expert we had out of that segment, she said, you know, if you don't put into your the positivity into your bank, mm, you're gonna yeah. feel so depleted when you're really depleted and you need something up to uplift you, you don't have it there. So celebrate your successes and wins. Celebrate that really great conversation you had with your mom last night, or yeah. you know, that great meal that you got to have out and, and relax for an evening with no interruptions, like celebrate those little things that make you feel good and use those to help you when you're feeling really down and heavy, you know? Sorry, right. I, I know I keep on asking the questions, sorry, but no, but let me ask this question as the next follow-up and I'm gonna shut my mouth. Um, <laughs> I hope I can answer it. No, 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 you're gonna be able to answer this, but um, because you, we've, you pretty much, we've talked about our experiences with COVID-19, how it's impacted mental health, uh, particularly as, uh, as Black people. And I don't mm -hmm. think that gets talked about enough. No, but certainly not. If you can answer somewhat of a two-part question based off your personal experience and kind of what you see. Okay. Number one, looking back at what COVID-19 has done mm -hmm. as a Black woman within your family, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you can extrapolate from or like what have you learned about this? And also as a part two, mm -hmm with a lot of a lot of people within our black community that you know how has it affected them what have you seen okay so what i've learned through the experience for me it was a blessing in disguise because i was doing the most mm -hmm. i was doing the most like if you ask my husband nicole's always doing the most like she just doesn't know when to slow down and right. when that lockdown happened exactly one year next week, Saturday, we'll make it one year when I think Trudeau announced a lockdown. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is the out that I need. It's the yeah. out that I need without me having to tell someone, I can't do this for you. I can't be there for you. Cause I have a hard time saying no. And I was feeling so depleted. So yes, I, I am a TV producer. I, that's my career. But I also have my own wedding planning, event planning business. Cause I want to have nice. So not only am I here planning at that time when the COVID first hit, not only was my business partner Raquel and I planning 12 weddings for that year, a few of them that were destination, mm -hmm. I was also working full time. Mm -hmm. And I'm a mom of three and I'm a wife and I, I love my girlfriends and I'm a friend and I'm a daughter and a, and a sister. So you think about like all the different places that I'm allowing myself to be pulled into. Yep. And I don't want to fail as a wife. I don't want to fail as a mom. I don't want to fail as a, as an employee, a boss, a I just don't want to disappoint anybody. I'm like, right. That's fault of mine. I, I, I'm an empath. I'm a people pleaser. I feed off people's yep. energy. They don't look happy. I'm trying to do something. It's just, I, it's, it's a whole, I got to work on that. Mm. But um, it allowed me to get out of a lot of things I had a hard time saying no to. So I, I finally, I was like, okay, well, the weddings are all canceled. So whew, I have a bit of time to breathe. The news cycle was ramping up. Yes, but I didn't have to go into work physically every day and sit in traffic and deal with those stressors and look at the time. And like, like tonight I was delayed trying to get work done. Uh, Cause I had the piece where we were fought like segments falling in the show. 
and I, I didn't have that guilt of, oh my gosh, I've got to get home because I've got to get dinner ready or I've got to be there for my family or I've got to get my son to basketball or pick him up. And I have to deal with that commute getting home. So doing the math in my head and I didn't have to deal with that. So while I know a lot of people like, oh, I want to go back to work because I miss my colleagues and the interaction. I love my colleagues, but I don't need to physically be around them because I could be doing a meeting and throwing in a load of laundry or like I'm talking to you guys now. And I'll be honest, my mind is racing, thinking I kind of want to move the laptop closer to the kitchen so I can kind (laughs) of get food started while I'm talking to you guys. Like it's, you know, because we always have to be on. Right. Pandemic. What it helped me realize. So I have this long way of getting to my point. Um, (laughs) Don't what worry. The pandemic did for me was it allowed it allowed me to just breathe. Mm, so yeah. I wasn't breathing. Yeah. Like figuratively right. and physically, I wasn't just taking a break from myself. You know, what have I seen with the people around me? Well, the people around me are all so different. Like I have some friends that really struggled with the isolation. I had some friends kind of like in my category who struggled with. Um, not being able to take a break from things and this allowed me to but then also halfway through kind of going crazy being locked down in my household with three boys and a husband you know so it was just a lot of um, figuring it out but if you were to ask me how did I fare over the last two years I kind of found it like a breather to be honest yeah right my wife said the exact same thing because she's literally as you're talking, I'm like, oh my God, this is Tanya. <laughs> She's trying <laughs> I need to know to people. Talk to Tanya. Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> you and her would get along so well. Mm-hmm. People pleasing. She wants to make sure she's being a good wife to me, <clears throat> her coworkers, making sure she wants to be the best dog mom because you know we got a puppy during the pandemic. We just got a puppy a month ago. For bom, real. Bom, bom. What kind? It's a King Corso Lab mix. Okay. Yeah, and I wasn't on board. I wasn't on board with it, but that's for a whole other conversation. But you know what? She's grown on me, and she's kind of helped me kind of calm down a bit. Yeah, they do that. So, which brings me into Jermaine said it really nicely. Um, before you came on, we were talking about the importance of therapy in our community, but specifically Black men. Where do you think? Well, number one, if you don't mind us asking, are you currently in therapy now? And if not, how do you think therapy and access to therapy would help us as a community, as Black people? So I am in therapy. Um, I actually, I, I got, I started with the, the offering of therapy through my workplace, um, yes. just because I found last year was just really crazy, hectic. Just in, in my personal life, we had a lot of, of loss on my husband's side of the family, which was really hard. So I just, I've needed that just to process a bunch of things personally and then just um just in my in my current my new role at work that I've been in the past year sometimes I go through um times and this being really like open book now but times of like what am I doing here how did I get this job maybe I'm not right for it I think maybe they just gave it to me because I'm a black woman and they want to feel the cool like I start really doubting myself so yes I am in therapy yes Um, my therapist is a black African gentleman by the name of Michael. He's amazing. I was very intentional about um, getting a therapist who was black. And I was very yes. intentional about, I was also very intentional about getting a therapist who's a man. Um, okay. Because um, I just, and I'm still learning and growing. I think it, 
I'm always a work in progress, but just also trying to understand like any challenges I have in my home with my husband or my three boys, how to kind of see things from their lens and their perspective. Because right. as having a black therapist, I could be like, well, I'm so bad at this. And he can say, well, have you thought about it like this? And this is kind of how, you know, I'm not saying all men are this way, but just kind of our DNA makeup and how we would process that. I was like, ah, okay. You know, just having someone who's neutral, who's not my girlfriend, who's going to key, key, key with me and be like, yes, girl, I'm, you did the right thing. You know, I just need someone to like put it to me straight. You so know that's what therapy's done for me. Yeah. You know what? It's okay. interesting that you should mention this because before you came on, my Mandela and myself were talking about the exact same subject as to finding somebody that fits. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's it's not easy. Like as we said before, like sometimes you may not find that therapist like the first time. You may have to go through a few, but once you find like the one that fits, that's the one that that can definitely walk with you. Absolutely. It's important to, and we are so glad you found the right therapist because finding the right therapist is extremely hard, mm -hmm. especially for black people and especially for black women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So shout out to you. And you say your therapist's name is Michael? Yes. Yes, Michael. Michael on the outside. Yeah, yes, Michael. Michael. Yes. Bang, bang, what, bang, bang. I, I, I do think, I, I know a lot of, a lot, at least a lot of the women in my in my circle, they they go to therapy, and we 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 all chat about it quite a lot in terms of just how much it's helped us, mm -hmm. and is helping us. Um, even sometimes it's like I just need someone who doesn't know every little detail about me that I can just unload on and mm -hmm. not feel any judgment. But mm -hmm. in saying all that, uh, I really think that we need to shift the way that um, mental health and therapy looks like especially for black men. Um, like I just think about the men in my life and in my family who've, who've had struggles and some have acknowledged it and others, they kind of it, it surfaces in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's really scary and concerning for, to me that we have this stigma about therapy, you know, and about, yep. or even like mental health or, you know, being bipolar or whatever it might be. Yeah. it's like oh no that you know it's like this west indian upbringing that like oh he's modern you know but you don't want to address right you need to fix that you know you know what or if you or if you bring up a, a toxic in your situation in your family then you're the issue you know it's funny when i grew up well, sorry guys you don't mind if i just multitask for one oh, second no, do, do oh no no that's great okay. that's dope okay. Here, here's what i'm gonna say I remember growing up and one of the reasons, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but one of the reasons why therapy was like looked down upon at the time is because is, well, okay. People who, as black people, we would look at white people as crazy because they would do some crazy <laughs> stuff. Right. And so knowing that we as black people are still having to deal with a lot of the racism the systemic racism the discrimination the last thing we want is to basically be like them you know right. like they they've embraced it's like white people have embraced crazy but we're not going to embrace crazy even if it looks like crazy in our we we will shun them off to the side to make sure that the rest of the society does not see us as even though we're oppressed we're not going to be crazy and that's We're not going to be white people shit. Right. 
But Jermaine, can I stop you for a sec? Do you guys remember those two DC guys who went and shot up the place? The snipers? When I tell you, when they mentioned that they were black, I'm like, you gotta be lying. You shitting me. That ain't true. They're not black. It pissed me, pissed me off. I was so Ah. shocked because I'm like, what? This doesn't happen. We don't, we don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jermaine. Go on. Yeah. No, 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 no. You you were exactly right. Guy. Hit the nail on the head. That's why I was like, I was like, I wish somebody would shoot, like shoot them. Cause it just made it look bad on us. Right. Wow. Like we <laughs> didn't want that. You know what I mean? We didn't want that perception. We already have right. a perception of being less than we're, we're probably no better than an athlete or an actor or whatever. And we can't be more than that. But now you want to okay. put the term quote unquote, you know, crazy on, on, on our thing. It pissed a lot of people off. Now, mind you, looking back at it now, mental health will affect any and anybody, regardless of race, gender, you know, social status or whatever. But Cotton. that's what we grew up with. Yes. Yo, that was mud. I can't even lie. When I found out that them two were black, I said, gee, no. I just want to shoot them still, you know. Maybe. You know what? I don't shoot nobody. I'm not built for prison or jail. Thank you very much. <laughs> None of My us. hands are way too soft for jail life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, but I no, guess. Nicole's saying some real things still, fam. Like, she's talking the truth. Listen, so it's you- kind of crazy. I So that's one thing I have to do for my mental health. And like I said, it's a work in progress. It's baby steps. Yeah. But I... um it's like learning to just kind of like really shut down when I'm done my work day, but I, I, I'm, so I'm shut, I'm done, but like, I have to get, I have to feed my household and I just had, didn't get a chance to do it yet. So. Yeah, no problem. Right. Like, listen, this is how black people roll. We just talk. <laughs> yeah. My mom was doing the same thing when she came in from work. She's a principal, right? School principal. So yeah, she was downstairs cooking up a storm. Why? Black women are the truth. Amen to that. Yo, y'all are are we as men, we need to support black women. So people I was just gonna say the thing is, like, I I think I saw some meme somewhere where it's like, oh, you know, black women they're so strong, they don't cry. And it's like, yeah, we do. I cry in the shower, I cry when I'm pissed off because I've got to like put stuff away and nobody's helping me. But like we are also trying to like put on this brave face and be strong and do it all, and it's not practical it's not realistic it's hard you know yeah it's it's hard i mean for for black women and again you know obviously i can't speak for black women but for for what we hear a lot and what we see i mean like the the different intersectionalities and oppressions that y'all face at times you know we we can't put the moniker as being strong you have to be kind of like that way in a sense but at the same time you know, black women are very much so human and, and you have to have your moments where it's like, if you have to break down and cry, you have to, just because yeah. you need that release. You need that. Like, I'm not as strong as most people think I am, but again, you have to put on that face because you're pretty much having to save everyone else. Especially in the workplace. Like you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You have to, well, in the workplace, you know, we got the talk when we were all young. You got to be twice as good to get half of what they get, right? Mm. And especially in media, law of God, Canadian media is something else. 
<laughs> especially in Canadian media. Why you gotta be Superwoman, Batwoman, Catwoman, Storm from X Men, all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say that the, the lens is changing. Like at least there's more of us, and you know, yes. I think we're we're starting to see like some really positive shifts in how we're depicted and how people see yes. us. You know, like I actually um, one of my colleagues um, just did a really great interview with Ryan Reynolds. Um, he has a new movie coming out and, uh, I went to the screening last night and like, you know, he plays the lead character and in the movie, God, I can't remember her name, but the actor who was in, um, Avatar and she's, she also did that Nina Simone movie and she got a lot of flack. What's her name again? Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. She plays his wife in the movie. And I was like messaging with, um, someone today and we're like, it was so nice to see like, I mean, whether it's interracial or not, just seeing like a black woman have a lead role in a big blockbuster like this that's coming out. You know what I mean? So, sorry, I know we're veering off of mental health, but I just think well, it's really no good worries. that we're seeing ourselves more and more in 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 places of prominence and respectful, like places that are garnering that garner a lot of respect. It's 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 good, yeah. you know, for yeah. black men and for black women and for our children to see that and future generations to see that it's it's remarkable you know can i ask this question um i'm gonna kind of switch no jermaine you can't well too bad (laughs) um let me ask this question um now being in in media social media has certainly had a huge bite in terms of information that's being disseminated and because it is a situation where a lot of a lot of information's out there most of it unregulated most of it like not really checked properly um you do have unfortunately um so many differing views that can be confusing to uh the consumer so what i mean by that like everything from the truckers protests to the um heck let's go back to like everything from the black lives matter george floyd trucker protests, even in the wars in Palestine, Ukraine, all those. How, first, how do you personally feel about where social media has taken things, given like the information that's out there? Especially with the- How do I feel about what? I missed that first, I missed the first part. How do I feel about what? So how do you feel about like the advent of social media with with the information that's being disseminated, considering that a lot of the information is at times not really fact-checked. Well, I mean, I think that's where you just have to hope when people go on their phone or their computer, they know how to decipher the information and, and, and look for content that is objective, right? Like, especially like, you know, you're following Colin Kaepernick and you, you're, you know, you're following a couple other articles that are talking about you know, black athletes and suppression or whatever, then everything else that gets fed to you through your social media channels is going to be um, along those narratives, right? So you'll never get another side or perspective. I don't frequent right-wing media because I don't really, it doesn't appeal to me, but I will walk, watch Fox because I want to see how they're um, yes. disseminate, like putting out the information or how they're interpreting things or how they're reading 
certain storylines and how they're delivering on perspectives. So, but not everybody knows to do that, which is why I can like, geez, when in school, they got to be teaching about objectivity. They have to be teaching about how to decipher between um, content that's fact-checked and, and content that has been sourced and verified and, you know, and, and we're, we're actually quite fortunate in this country to, to have a bit more objectivity than I would say to our partners to the South. Although, of course, you know, we're starting to see, and, and this convoy is a perfect example, that people are receiving influences from so many other places. And, and traditional media, like what I work in, is, is not the first place that people go anymore, right? Wait, no. And it's, it's scary. And I remember saying in a, in a story meeting a couple of days ago, I'm like, if we don't pay attention to this, we're all going to be really surprised when someone really extreme gets into power because this, yep. this is this is growing. It's probably bigger than we even can imagine, right? Like everyone, everyone that I was like so shocked when when Donald Trump won. I'm like, were you not no. paying attention to white women? They were not behind Hillary. Were you not paying attention to white men? They were like raw rock throwing him. Like you have to pay attention, but when you only have blinders on and you only want to focus and cover on the things that feel comfortable and safe and you don't want to challenge yourself and go and speak to people who might think differently than you, then how are you going to ever really know and learn, right? And then you're going to have a problem where, oh, we didn't, we didn't see it coming. Well, because you didn't open yourselves up enough to hear their side or hear their story or hear why they're so frustrated, mm -hmm. right? right? So I think that kind of works here too. And we're going to see a lot of those things uh, coming up to the surface more in Canada in the years to come. It's already happening, but we're going to see more of it in the, in the years to come, I think for sure. I feel like Canada's always been this way. But to your point, exactly what you said, people aren't paying attention. And I think it speaks to, personally, a level of privilege, right? Because people don't, a certain demographic of people, aka white folks, primarily, they don't have to, they don't have to see things from a Black perspective, right? They live in a bubble, which actually isn't as small as we think it is, right? Because Canada is a majority white nation. So everything that's being reported is through that particular lens the politics we only make up a certain a certain segment of society so why would they be paying attention to us when everything is catered to them right mm -hmm. from the education we grew up in an education that's in a education system that's geared towards whiteness um the media it's geared towards overwhelmingly whiteness so in a sense I get why they'd be surprised, but like you said, Nicole, they have to open up their eyes and be like, yo, this is 21st century. We need to we need to see what's going on and pay attention to what's been happening for centuries, literally centuries. So yeah. You know what? I'll say this. And this is and this is to Nicole's point. Like yes. um one of the things that um I'm still like ringing over was the last election. Yeah. The you know People's Party of of Canada you know was <laughs> yes they did not win a seat, but well, black people saw, voted. But this is but this is what I'm saying. They made enough a noise. They made enough of a noise to get people's attention. Jermaine and, is really right on that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And and that's the part Facts. where I'm looking at this. And you coupled it with like, for example, the truckers protests and all that type of stuff. 
And I say to myself that right now we're, we're living in a time where like people are so extreme in terms of like their views of something. And don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all have to have like that critical lens as to why people are doing this. So like if you're part of the left, don't just be part of the left. You need to question why you believe in what you believe and why are you doing this? Facts. You know what I mean? If you're part of the right, same thing. You need to actually do things from a critical perspective. But because yes. of it, people are so extreme in terms of their views that they're not actually having a proper dialogue with people who differ from them. And that includes right. from a race-based uh, race perspective. It's like, now it's like, okay, I believe you to be this. Or even worse, they gaslight the experience. Right. You know what, Jermaine, as I'm listening to you say all that, it's got me thinking about why, and not to make this like a, a thing about the media, but why really, well, I'll make it about the media, why it's so important to have a diverse mm-hmm. newsroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Diverse That's newsrooms, it. diverse productions, diverse everything from regional diversity to racial diversity to um, sexual diversity to everything. Mm-hmm. It's so key. And again, like just going back to Ryan Reynolds, like I was watching this raw footage that my colleague just shot of the interview with him. And he's got this great initiative that he started where he's um, giving opportunities to um, on his film sets. And I think it's like a bigger initiative, people of all different various diverse backgrounds because he said like it's the richness of that that makes our projects and productions so much better and it's the same thing with television now as a people of color we're always having to learn about everyone else but who's learning about us to the great depths that we're learning about them and so when you ask me you know how do we open up our minds and talk to people who are different from us we can open up and broaden our perspectives it's the very core of what we do because we're always trying to assimilate or fit in or fix figure out how to maneuver through all these different environments particularly eurocentric environments mm-hmm. so yep. i wouldn't be afraid to go and in which case it really did happen where i had to go up to ottawa Piscat when they were having the housing crisis it was nothing for me to go and sit with indigenous people in this country and say like why is why are why are you spending twelve dollars on apples when I'm spending free while you live in a flying community? I can hear them talking about the struggles they have with their housing and the the, the continuous request for the government to do something about their water or to do something about their housing conditions, and they can open up to me and they can share these things with me because I can understand them on certain a level because of various threads and similarities that kind of we can connect on. Yes. that maybe yeah. my white colleague wouldn't be able to, for example, or someone who right. hasn't had the same types of lived experiences that we have. I guess, so the point, I'm, what, what's the point I'm trying to make is that's why it's important. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you bring it back to, to newsrooms, you bring it back even to organizations. Mm-hmm. You keep right. saying, well, we've got to hit this target. We need to reach a broader demographic. Well, then start diversifying your workforce so they can show you how to tap into those demographics that you're trying to reach. You see, and that's important because it's it's not only just placing more of a diverse um, a diverse workforce. Right. You also have to ensure that that diverse workforce has a voice. and ha- But yeah. also has diverse thinking too, right? right? Like, yes. yes. Because I will tell you, 
and I'll be careful what I say here, but there's a lot of times and I've experienced it and watched it and I'm watching it still where people of color or diverse backgrounds get into a position of power or yep. leadership mm. and they forgot where they came from. Mm. Yep, and that happens a lot. They, they, they play the game mm -hmm. because it's safe to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I've made it so I don't have to bother anymore. And yep. and you 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 do have to bother because the only way we're going to see any change in advancement is if we we really take those who've made it and they try to help pave a path for those who are kind of coming up behind them. It, it it's not we we can't be selfish. It doesn't serve us as a community to just think about ourselves. It doesn't, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i don't know that's kind of how i see it like yeah man this has been good this has been this good yo yo this has been good man you can't yo you big up nicole fam you know what we, we we gotta we gotta give our black people chicken thank you for allowing me to multitask and cook dinner at the same time i hope that it's not going to jack up your audio no 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 we're good we got the best sound man in the game out here how you mean how you mean how you mean so do we have a caucasity chronicle segment this week i want to say so but you know what can we save that for the next episode only because this one you know what no, let's do it. Let's do it. Nicole doesn't know about the Caucasity Chronicles. Jermaine, I'm going to throw that one to you because I did like the last four. <laughs> what is this you're talking about? Can you throw number so, one? Because I have, I have one, but I just don't want... Um, what, what is this? I missed the first. What is this? Okay. So each, 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 each episode, we have a segment called It's Evolved. Yeah. We used to call it This Week in White People Fuckery, but now it's evolved to the Caucasity Chronicles. <laughs> okay, that sounds a little bit more, you know, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. a little bit more refined. Yes, yes. We were trying to find our footing and our voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So here's where here's where I'm going to go. I didn't I wasn't prepared to go there, but I'm going to just touch a little bit on it because okay. I'm going I'm going to bounce off actually what Mandela kind of put out there on Twitter. Okay, oh, I didn't yeah, see what he put. What, I didn't see what he put out on Twitter, so I'm I'm feeling really so naive to this. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit, just a tad, just a tad, about our current situation in Ukraine. Here's, hey. what, here's what I'm gonna say. Now, first of all, our prayers and thoughts go out to anybody that is a part of a casualty of war. Like our thoughts and our prayers go out to you because no one deserves to be killed. No one deserves to be invaded. You know, especially for no reason, it it's a no-run situation. But here's what I will say, right? I think sometimes when it comes to things like this, um, it, it's almost like the low-hanging fruit, right? Yes, yes, it's the hottest thing, it's the hottest topic out there. But then we forget there's other atrocities still continuing out there in the world. And I'm talking about places in Ethiopia, right? Palestine. And it also in Palestine, where... Yep where we still have atrocities happening you know to the very same people that, apartheid apartheid you know uh and it still continues on unfortunately the world has i don't know if the world has kind of shut its eyes to 
those situations to focus on sort of like the new trend that's happening. But what I will say is that I think as, as, as a people, I'm not talking about black people. I'm just talking about people in general. We need yeah. to remember that like the Ukraine war is not the only thing that's happening. I think the only reason why it's happening is because Russia is a big economic engine, but that yes. also shouldn't be the Trump card compared to the other people that continue to suffer of years of civil war and apartheid and continued oppression. So that chronicle is just based off that if you're going to focus on Ukraine and Russia, please beg you, please don't forget Palestine, Ethiopia, and all the other countries that are dealing with the exact same, if not worse, situation than what's happening now. Well, I mean, you part know of what? the problem is the news cycle, though, right? Like, we're all sort of at the mercy of the news cycle. If you want to still know what's right. going on in, in Palestine or Israel or after, you know, I don't know, Somalia, Ethiopia, yep. any of those places, if you want to know, you will follow those new the, the, those news stories and suss out the information to keep you in the loop of what's happening. The mm. problem is not enough people are curious enough to keep that up. And some people, oh, it's in the news, it's big. I'm gonna post a little thing on my Instagram and 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 you know, share my thoughts and prayers. And then when it's not a big topic anymore, you're moving on. So if it really bothers you or it's something you're really passionate, you want to be in the loop about or you want to keep a dialogue going about, then it's almost something where you kind of have to do it on your own because the news cycle has done moved on to the next thing, right? So. Actually, can I call it one more thing? And Mandela, I know you're going to finish this one off, but can I also call it one more thing? And this is towards like the current federal government. So I'm, I'm sorry, I get it. You know, when you have people that are having to suffer through very warlike type of situations, you know, obviously as a, maybe a good gesture or as a media plug, you want to announce that we're going to open up the doors to our country, to our fellow, you know, people coming from certain countries. But I yes. tend to find that our current government somehow is just only focusing on certain countries. Like, mm -hmm. again, there are certain countries right now. And again, I point to places in Africa and also places uh, like Palestine stuff that we don't hear much about, you know what, since you guys are coming from war countries, we're going to open up our doors to you. Why is it that you're just picking and choosing, you know, certain countries that you can let people in, like just for a photo op? We can't be doing that. Okay, this but this is how you solve it. You start mobilizing in, in, in your community and you start running for different MP, MPP, you start thinking about how you can have a voice in government. And listen, if you know, like you're not just going to vote for someone because they're black, you're going to vote for someone because they're the best person. But if you don't have the option, what are you to do? Nobody thought that Obama would become president. Like the man won right. Iowa. He won Iowa. And that's predominantly like country, country, you know, rural, yeah. yep. white. So my whole thing is if you want to have, have an opportunity to affect change, you've got to put yourself in places where you can do that. And, you know, South Asians come to this country and they mobilize and they start supporting mm -hmm. one another to run for office. They do. You know, po Polish come to this country and they support, you know, South Asian, Chinese, you go to Markham or, or Pickering where there's, or um, Markham or Richmond Hill, where there's a, a large 
East Asian population. And when a, a municipal election comes up or provincial or whatever, you can see their names on the placards because they realize if they want to have a voice for their community and they want to affect change or they want to see certain things happen, they have to be in the places where those decisions can be made and they can have influence. So mm -hmm. I just think, listen, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face, but our generation and the Black people coming up, particularly ones born here, we have an opportunity to do something about that. And I think we've been, we're on the right path. We're on the right path, mm -hmm. right? Like you think of the last few elections, we had more people running, Black people running for office than I think we've ever seen. What so we're on the right path. We just have to do more, you know? That's true. Mandela, what is your perspective? My perspective, why I don't think we have enough time, but I hear everyone clearly. I hear everyone. I feel all the words that are being worded and said. And yeah, it's 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 a oh, lot. Come on, Mandela, you got me thinking. What what's what are you holding back? Thank you. Come on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, Don't be rude. Share. <laughs> I was like, your therapist didn't teach you this. Talk. You know what? I feel yes. But part of me also feels that yes, we need seats at the table, and that's great. And that's cool. But I feel like when we're in those positions of power. I feel like sometimes that we are being, while we're at the table, we're being silenced while we're at the table. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we touched oh, on earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Once that, you get there, doesn't mean you forget where you came from or you lose your voice. Like you have to continue to use your voice. And I get it, it's hard, it's scary. I There are certain times where I've wanted to open up my mouth and I'm like, nah, I can't now. I'm in a position where if I post this post or I say something, you know, it's going to be going against my company's journalistic policies and practices, and I need to compromise my, my job. But at the same time, I don't stop using my voice when they're talking about, oh, we need to do more on diversity. We need to increase our, our well, sure, you can keep saying that, but, you know, like, this is how I think we have to do it, or this is why we can't do this and we can't do why, you know, so. Right. We I don't we disagree with what you said. Yeah. I don't disagree. Right. Yeah, but I was thinking to when um, we had someone on our show the other day and she was in a position of, I'm not gonna, I don't know if this is gonna be released before that, but we had a conversation with a very high profile member, former member of the Canadian parliament mm -hmm. who came on our show and she gave us her, her story. I'm like, wow, if this is happening to you, mm -hmm. right? Who else is this happening to? So that made me lose faith in the system. I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. interviewed her on our our show, and yeah, she she put she put up with a lot of nonsense, mm, and yeah. it was like she was there for more the dog and pony show than to really be given the opportunity to affect change, which is is really heartbreaking. Yeah, um, and, so and when, probably and probably is going to be discouraging to a lot of other Black people going forward, knowing what she experienced. Right. So I think like a lot of the grassroots efforts too, like with when you look at um, organizations like the Black Action Defense Committee, they were on the ground and I feel like they were the ones who 
um, brought about change in the community through the work that they did in the community. So I think that's kind of what Black People Check-In is about, right? Doing it from the grassroots, the ground level. Mm -hmm. That is how we reach people. And then, because the government listened to them, partially because the government was also afraid of bad CNW laws. Let's not right. get it twisted. Because they Shout were being wiretapped, right? So Shout out to Dundee, right? Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I went to his funeral. That was one of the most extraordinary experiences I've ever had. Yo, I met, I met him in person twice. So he was my dad's best friend. So are you talking I'm about very, Dudley Laws? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Him and my dad were like this close, right? So um oh wow, did we lose her? No, no, you didn't. No, no, oh, no, so she's still here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. Yeah. So I think yes, the government is I think important to a sense, but we can only get so I feel like we can only get so far. So Nicole was right in what she said, but mm -hmm. I feel like the real work is the groundwork. So the stuff that we do, the stuff that Bad C does, the activists in Toronto, people like Taylor McNally in Calgary, Alberta, that's really mm -hmm. doing- Yes, Taylor, shout out to her, yo. Shout out to Taylor. Like she's really fighting out in Alberta, mm -hmm. right? Um, hopefully we're gonna have her on sooner than later. Yep. So yeah, just to piggyback off Nicole's point, that is important, but I feel like as a community, we really need to mobilize. Like mm -hmm. the trucker raised, the trucker convoy raised ten million dollars in what, maybe a week? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Black yeah. people, we can mobilize. We just need to get on the, all the same page if we can. If we can, no, we don't all think the same, which is fine. We don't have to think the same. Mm, okay, but mobilize, but mobilize with what, with where are you going with that mobilization? Like it's, it's right. fine to say you're going to mobilize, but what, where, where are you trying to head? Like, we have where are you plan. going? Right. Amen. And that's why that, that's, that's why that trucker convoy, you know, dissipated as quickly as it did. Cause what's their plan? Yeah. There are some people Thank who you. are very deep in the inner workings of it who have a plan, but collectively everybody has to be on that plan and I, I they probably are heading in that direction um and right. this 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 shutdown by the police isn't going to stop it like they're going to find a way to regroup again but what yep. is your end goal if you have a plan what is your end goal and so we can mobilize all we want as black people but if we don't start thinking about what the end goal is and collectively figuring out what are some things we want to hit we're just going to be mobilizing you know what i mean Exactly. Yeah. We have yeah, to have a plan. No plan. I get it. So I will say this, Nicole, boy, do we appreciate you coming on. We, yo, yo, hold on. Big up, yo, Nicole, check up, big up our, our self. Yes. More times. More times, yes. So continue, Jermaine. Continue, Jermaine. Give Listen. her her flowers. Listen, Nicole, again, we appreciate your kindness. We appreciate your experience and your perspective. Um, especially I just finished one. dinner too. Sorry. No, no, no. And we appreciate the multitasking that you've been doing. Like 10 at night. Like <laughs> just so you know, we don't normally eat this late, but things happen. Breaking news all week. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't No, no, no. Listen, we're just thanking you for just being uh being a part of this. We thank you for your perspectives, uh, your experience, especially just with regards to from a media perspective and also a mental health perspective. So thank you for coming. And gracing us with your presence. Hopefully, you can do this again. 
hopefully because yeah no it was really nice chatting with you guys sorry i was a little frazzled at the beginning i'm just so much going on but no thank you for having me on and it was really cathartic to have this conversation so it was nice you guys are so nice you're so lovely so thank you yeah we try this is what we aim to do at black people checking is to create dialogue you know what i mean trust 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 (laughs) yes so with that being said nicole where can people find you on the socials what where can they watch your program all of the good things there um so i'll try to tell you this while my seven-year-old has a meltdown one second (laughs) mom life hey listen it's it's the parent life so i yeah sorry um food is very serious in this household um I'm, I guess my Instagram is Nix Mercury, N-I-X-X Mercury, M-E-R-C-U-R-Y on Instagram. But I don't, I don't know. I'm just so over Instagram, if I'm being honest. Like I just, that's a whole other conversation. It just feels so performative. And so really I've just been posting mostly like Insta stories, like daily affirmations and news stories that interest me. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go post a picture of my life so people can floss and talk about it and look at it, but not like it. Like, ah, I'm kind of over that. So, Mm -hmm. um, but that's my social media handle. Um, So you said Nix or Mix? Nix. Nix. N-I-X-X. Mercury. And then um, the program I work for is CBC Television, The National, um, that comes on 9 p.m. on CBC News Network and 10 o'clock on the main network. Okay, excellent. And okay. We appreciate oh, and then I'm gonna big up and give a shout out to my wedding planning business um, that I do with my business partner Raquel. Yes. Um, yes. Because Put it out there. you know, black love is so important, and love is important, and marriage is important, and union is beautiful, and I love weddings, and that is um, info at Simple Elegance <laughs> by well, Simple Elegance Events Toronto um, on Instagram. All right. Following. You should follow uh, my wedding planner, Shola. She, I don't know if you know her. Let's just talk about how small this world is because my husband is uh, related to Shola. They're both from St. Vincent and we had a party for one of our friends. And it's like, Lampkin, Lampkin, I'm a a Lampkin. Came to find out she's family. And so Shola um, (laughs) is an an amazing and respected wedding planner. Yes, she is. And um, and now she's officiating weddings, and she just officiated a wedding that we planned in November, and she's officiating another wedding we have coming up this year. Nice. She's she's my wedding planner, and she turned into one of my best friends. So shout out Shola on the outside. I know she kind of been shout out Shola Lampkin. She is a phenomenal, beautiful spirit woman inside out. So see, talk about six degrees of separation, huh? Yeah, she is. And her daughter and I dance Kizomba together. Miss Marty Lampkin, who's another amazing social worker who is also doing the work. So shout out to Marty on the outside. Yes. But um, Jermaine, where can they find you on the socials? Well, they're going to find me on the socials at germs, J-E-R-M-S 394. Both on, yes, both on the Twitters and on the high G. The high G. I actually need to get back to my car talks. I haven't done in so long, and there's so much stuff to talk about. Please stay Let's tuned. Go. But I'm 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 gonna get back into it. But again, if you guys want to follow me, me on on Instagram, 
J-E-R-M-S-394, both on Instagram and Twitter. Now, Mandela, can people find you? Yes, people can find me. Mm -hmm. um, they can find me at the Instagram right. and the Bird app, as like I like to call it. The Bird app, yes. The Bird apps at Mandela, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, -E like Nelson, underscore KJ. So that's Mandela underscore KJ on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me doing, actually, you know what? I don't rant anymore because my oh. therapist has calmed me down. <laughs> yes. I don't cuss much anymore, once in a blue moon, but it's, 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 it's been a good thing. So you can find me on those. You can find us on Black People Check-In on the Instagram and the Twitters, yes. Black PPL Check-In. Mm -hmm both on Instagram, email us all your hate mail, blackpeoplechecking at gmail.com. We'll read all your stuff on our show. Yes, we There's a lot say, of people. Hold on. Yes, we did say hate mail. We expect yeah, the we hate did. mail. I was like, hate mail? Okay. Well, I mean, thank you guys for having me on. It was really awesome talking to you both. Great conversation. And um, yes. yeah, thank you. It was great. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, guys. For Good night, good evening, good day, folks. We appreciate you. Tune in for our next episode mm -hmm. whenever you catch us. Peace out. Holla. See you guys. Black people, we love you. Yes, we do love you.